1: Hello and welcome to awesome etiquette
0: where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration respect and honesty
1: on today's show we take your questions on passing the salt and pepper dealing with someone who you know has lied to you selling tickets when your friend backs out of a concert and eating lobster.
0: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about not being allowed to play video games, but hanging out with friends who are allowed to.
1: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on going back to school.
0: All that's coming up.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning.
0: And I'm Lizzie Post. And
1: it's so good to be back with you, Lizzie Post.
0: (laughs) It's so good to be back on the mic with you, too. I feel like it's a, a return from vacation and just hit the ground running. We're, we're back into it. B- business, business, business. Both the back end of Emily Post and the front end of Emily Post.
1: School's starting. Labor Day's on the horizon. Shh,
0: don't say it. <laughs> when you were a kid, were you excited for school or were you like getting depressed and clinging to your last days of freedom in summer? Oh, I was such a moderate
1: child. I was (laughs) Probably a little of both. I loved my summers, but I also liked school. It wasn't something I dreaded.
0: I liked getting things like all of my school supplies all ready to go and thinking about that. But I was definitely the kid who was like the end of summer looming was like just so depressing and sad and like, no, don't take it away from me, this magical time that we have. So I feel like every every mid to late August I get a little bit of that, like a reminder of those feelings. But it's also kind of a cool, cool year in both our lives, but you've got one actually going off to kindergarten and my nephew is headed to kindergarten. So I'm I'm like excited for School year things to start happening in my bigger family life.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You've you've hit a a very sweet and sensitive button with me on that one. Anisha is a little bit old for a five-year-old. She's got one of those January birthdays. So she is so ready. That (laughs) extra nine months represents a significant percentage of her wife. You know, 15, 20% or whatever. Yeah, exactly. She is just crawling out of her skin. She cannot wait. She's visiting with her nanny right now. And we talk at night before bed. And she was telling me the other day about the school shopping. She's got her backpack. She's got her new shoes. And she is um, she is off the wall excited. It's, it's really <laughs> fun to watch.
0: That's so awesome. That is so awesome.
1: And she's been counting the days. We started... Weeks ago, where she got the calendar out, and we went through every day on the calendar, and, you know, this week's your Audubon camp, and then we have two days that are family days, and then this week we're gonna go visit Nana and Nani, and then we've got three days with Felicia, and then two family days, and then, oh, your last couple days at daycare. They ride the elevator on their last day. It's kind oh, of a boy. thing.
0: Oh, boy. That's big. That's big. So she
1: rode the elevator. She got to depart from, from that scene, and now we're a week and a half out, and it's, it, it's a countdown, like a Christmas countdown. She yes. is so excited.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I kind of miss the the ebb and flow of, of the school, the way the school year does that thing mm-hmm. where there are things to look forward to, both breaks and, and I mean, I know we get vacations, but you know, it really isn't the same as like school's <laughs> out and you're starting a whole new year. <laughs> no,
1: it's not. it, it, it and it, I think there's something about that that childlike experience where it's just a ride. Mm-hmm. And there are the ups and the downs, but you've got those things to look forward to. And it is, it is an exciting time in life because there is a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Lizzie Post, as adults, we don't experience those life changes with the same frequency. So there's less of a pace to it mm-hmm. in some ways, but... I don't think I would miss my high school or junior high or elementary school experiences. I'm glad they're in the rearview.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you what's, what's not in our rearview mirror are some questions for this podcast. Do you think that we should get to them?
1: Let's do it.
0: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802 858 Kind, that's 802 858 5463, or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst, on Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute, and on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Our first question this week is titled, Pass the Pepper, and this is an etiquette classic.
0: Interesting.
1: (laughs) Hello. A co-worker and I were having a conversation about the proper way to pass the salt and pepper at the dinner table. I was pretty sure that the night my parents had a spirited debate (laughs) about whether or not you pass both salt and pepper together... My wonderful late mother won the argument when she referenced the Emily Post book on etiquette. I could be totally wrong, but despite what I see all over the internet, I thought the winning answer was that they are passed separately. As my mom used to always say, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I just thought I'd ask. Have a great day, Rob.
0: Hey, Rob. It, it is really fun, I feel like, when we can come down on the side of something and we get to be definitive. So often we're exploring caveats and thinking about why something might not follow the norm. And this is one that, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we can be pretty definitive about the fact that the salt and pepper get passed together traditionally, at least per Emily Post etiquette.
1: <laughs> I was assuming that was the answer, and I didn't even look it up or reference it anywhere because I just (laughs) that's what I know exactly (laughs) and I remember an old expression someone once told me think of them like they're married
0: yes that they they
1: they travel (laughs) together was the the little mnemonic device to help me remember that yeah I do have another memory though that this is a, a tradition that's maybe different in different countries oh okay. and I'm forgetting whether it's more established that they're passed together other places or that it's it's less of a certainty but i I, and i've got again it's a vague recollection i should look it up i'm here on the mic but that in central (laughs) or even south america it's different than how we do it in north america or the united states
0: good to know good to know
1: one other thought that came up was anytime we're asked about passing food i love to remind people that at the emily post institute we advise you pass to the right
0: that is true that is true. We do think it's a little easier to send things in one direction. Although I could make the case <laughs> if they're nearby. I thought As we might end up to, yeah, those. like if it's the person you know one over to the left of you, you just send it to the left pretty easily, I think. But you definitely don't want to try to reach too far. So if someone is like diagonally across from you, that's where I would send it around to the right rather than like um, half standing in my chair and reaching across the table to pass it to them. Sometimes at like more casual family gatherings, you can get away with the like sliding them towards the middle of the table together. And then the other person is now close enough to be able to, to reach just to the middle of the table and pull them towards them. But outside of that, I think definitely pass right, pass together. For me, it makes sense to pass them together because they often, if I'm using one, I, I, Often want the other. I know that's not a hundred percent true, but if the food does need a little seasoning for my own particular taste buds, then I often find that I'm wanting both of those types of seasonings, that saltiness and that peppery that peppery spice.
1: Makes sense. <laughs> One other little detail, yeah. if you're looking for sort of the continuing to parse it down on a narrower and narrower focus. I would also recommend if you are passing them together that you set them down on the table, that you're not Mm -hmm. trying to double clutch the salt and the pepper together but you (laughs) and then navigate that handoff. If we're getting really specific about it, you would set them down to the left of the person to your right and then they can pick them up and use them as they need and then do that for the person to their right.
0: Dan, you're reminding me that it's also probably a good thing um, to pass sort of from the the neck down of the shaker so that you're not putting your hand over the portion where the salt and pepper actually spill out of the shaker or pour out of the shaker so that you just aren't getting your hand on something that someone else is going to eat or that's going to pass through something. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> that little sieve, keeping it clean and untouched, I think is a good idea, too. Rob, we
1: hope that this long answer to your short question affirms your confidence in Emily Post.
0: And we side firmly with your wonderful mother.
1: Everyone learns by experience, even when mistakes are made and one isn't at all sure of anything that he is doing.
0: Our next question is a tricky one. It's titled Tablet Trouble. How do you respond to someone that you know is lying or has lied to you? I'm not talking about my teenage kids, but a colleague or adult family member. For example, my sister-in-law asked if we would give her our old iPads. She wanted them for a road trip to keep her small children occupied. Normally, I would never consider iPads being given to small kids, but it was for a road trip. It turns out that she had already taken the road trip. Background, several weeks prior, I had posted about the harmful effects of technology on young children, and the author of the article had mentioned a road trip would be the only possible reason to allow very small children tech. The idea that my two-year-old niece has hours a day of screen time on a device that I gave her mother based on a lie makes me sick. It was a gift, so I can't ask for them back. Melissa.
1: Oh, Melissa, this is a really difficult question. It's a hard one for me to even think about. We say at the start of this show, where Dan and Lizzie answer your questions with etiquette based on consideration, respect, and honesty. Those are Mm -hmm. the three core principles that we say have to be a part of the advice that we give and the etiquette that we advocate for. And it's the basis for the decision-making process that we use to think about how we answer questions on this show. I think there's Almost nothing else that could be more important to good relationships than a foundation of trust and honesty is a big part of that. This can be Mm -hmm. a, a really difficult thing to deal with when you're encountering it in your life and in that interpersonal space, that that relationship space that you share with people that you're close to.
0: Dan, I feel like this one's really tough because it's the topic of lying it's the topic of gifting and kind of how we feel about how gifts get used. And it's also the topic of parenting and, and having opinions and thoughts and maybe even judgments about how other people parent. And uh, with all those three things, I'm also looking at this question and wondering a little bit about like assumption as well. And in in what places are we assuming? And in what place do we actually know what's going on? But the question that Melissa asks us is really clear. How do you respond to someone that you know is lying or has lied to you?
1: And I think that that clarity and that specific question are worth addressing, because it, it is so important. But I also think you're Raising a really good point that because it's so important, I think you really want to keep the focus on that in in terms of the way you think about it. And in terms of the way you assess your possible reactions and responses, it would be, I think, relatively easy to allow a lot of the hurt feeling about being deceived to start to inform the way you might talk about the parenting choices or the gifting. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, I would really identify the important issue being the issue of trust between these people. And if I was going to try to address this with someone, Mm -hmm. I would want to be laser focused on the trust in the relationship. And I would want to really be careful about moderating my own self and really thinking about keeping the questions around parenting and gifting separate. And it sounds like Melissa's got a sense for that when she says, it was a gift, so I can't ask for them back. There is an understanding that once you give something that it becomes someone else's and they get to make choices about how they use it and what they do with it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think you also make a really good point about being really careful with the assumptions that you make. If we were to do a, a really brief timeline of this question, there's event one, which is the posting of an article about the tech and children of yeah. time for kids, but <laughs> the road trip being an exception. Yeah, And a couple weeks later, you have a request to use an iPad or to be given an iPad to use for a road trip. And then at some point after that, the discovery that a road trip had already happened. And I just Mm -hmm. want to leave the tiniest sliver of possibility out there that there might be some misunderstanding or confusion about what the road trip is that maybe – one road trip did happen and it didn't go well and there weren't iPads. And maybe even that article, having been out there, gave someone, a sister-in-law, the idea that the iPad could be an antidote for and that there might be some other road trip in the future. So there is the the slimmest possibility that there's just some confusion <laughs> around what the road trip is. But I also want to I want to assume that Melissa has all the details here and that maybe there's something specific or identifying so that. She's really clear that she was deceived, that her sister-in-law asked her for these iPads for this road trip, and then she discovered that this road trip had indeed already happened.
0: And in in essence, that this is a lie. So if that is the situation, and there is no road trip planned in the future, and Melissa is 100% confident that she was manipulated in order to give away her old iPads, then I think... That does become something that you as an individual have to decide whether or not you want to address it or whether or not you want to use it as information for how you manage your relationship with this person in the future. And it might be that both happen. But they Well said, Lizzie
1: Post. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to tell you. I thought that was so well said. Come on. You
0: can always interrupt with praise, Dan. I love it. Bring it on. (laughs) Um, But no, I think that that, that that's that's an important place to be is you either say – okay, that's not what I was expecting. I don't totally know that my, my two-year-old niece is using this thing all day long or at an extremely high rate, but I am really upset that I was asked for something and it appears that this that is not what it is being used for. The trip that I that, that was indicated has already, in fact, happened. And I think that if you're going to address it, then I think you want to get really clear with yourself, Melissa, about what it is that you would want to say. Because just, I think, walking up and saying, hey, I've got an issue I want to talk with you about, you really deceived me to get those iPads from me. And I'm really angry about that. And I know it's a gift, so I can't actually you know, get it back from you. But it really makes me upset and think twice about giving you anything in the future that you ask for. And it's not that that wouldn't be somewhat valid to say to someone, but I think how you approach it is is really, really important. And how much you leverage accusations versus how much you say, hey, I was a little uncomfortable. I was under the impression that I was giving you the iPads for the road trip, but the road trip seemed to have already happened what's the deal with that? Or what what happened with that? Because it doesn't seem to add up or line up in my head is a very different approach. And I think I would get really clear on which approach is that I feel comfortable moving forward with because you are calling into question the trust that you have with someone and you are identifying a moment that you are hurt about And I think it's always important to feel like you have agency to identify your feelings with someone in a relationship and to to have a calm and candid conversation about that. But I think you also want to protect the fact that this is probably a pretty long term relationship in your life. And while we can set boundaries, how much do you want this one particular instance to be influencing this broader kind of more consistent relationship in your life?
1: I think you make a really good point when you talk about the nature of the relationship, that this is a sister-in-law, that there is a very good chance that this person is going to be some part of your life for a long time. And that the, the continuity of that relationship, the dependability of that relationship is something worth really thinking about. And what makes this for me so challenging is that a lack of trust is also a real challenge to that kind of continuity and good relationship but there's something else that happens in etiquette a lot which is people that we're close to people that we care about sometimes we for the sake of a relationship don't point out mistakes or bad things that happen sometimes
0: very true you you say to yourself
1: for the sake of a smoothness here i'm I'm not going to address this this is something they probably know about or are dealing with or have their own relationship to and it's better if it's not my business and figuring out where the scales come down, whether the, the lack of trust is a bigger disruption to the relationship or whether addressing such a fundamental breach of trust is a bigger disruption to the relationship right, is right. Is really a subtle judgment call. And I think it, it, it will require a lot of Melissa in terms of thinking about how she feels about it, how corrosive this experience is going to be to the relationship if it's left unaddressed. And your assessment of of whether or not there are any benefits to be gained, whether bringing this to someone's attention is something that's likely to improve your relationship with them moving forward. If someone is an inveterate liar, if you know they deceive all the time or maybe we say exaggerate all the time or tell little little white lies all the time, making a big issue about a particular deception – Might not have an outcome that's positive in any way whereas if it's someone who generally you have a very good relationship a trusting relationship with and a single incident has called all that into question It might really be worth that person knowing and understanding what it was that happened and where that loss of trust Began or where what the event was that that really changed the nature of a relationship and your reminder that you have the option of just using that information and then protecting yourself moving forward or or using that information and not addressing it with the other person, but using it to moderate your behavior in terms of how you respond or react to them. I think there are occasions where as awkward or difficult as it would be to hear about why you're doing that, someone would want to know or would benefit from knowing. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the framing of, with a sister-in-law who you're close to, it might be different, and you might think of them deserving the chance to know what had happened and how you feel. Mm-hmm. And that might be a frame that might allow that sample script construction to come more naturally and might also help you maintain the focus on what it is you want to accomplish by bringing it up with the person.
0: As we close out this question, what would you do in this particular circumstance?
1: I think that in this particular circumstance, I would talk to the person about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would tell them that I had been left with an impression that I had been deceived Mm -hmm. and I would leave it open like that. And I would really keep the focus on I'm remembering my mother's when you, I feel statements, what feeling that left you with. Mm -hmm. And I think that you really want to approach that conversation with care. I think you want to tell the person that they're important in your life and they matter to you, but something's happened that's given you pause Mm-hmm. That you really want to talk to them about it, that you think they deserve to know that this is what you're thinking and feeling. And about them, yeah. It's not easy for you to say, but that such and such a thing had happened and it left you feeling deceived. And mm-hmm. the, that's a really uncomfortable thing for you to feel and an uncomfortable reality in a relationship that matters to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I would have a prescriptive action, I don't think I would be asking of them promise promised always tell me the truth in the future, or would mm-hmm. you try to rectify the, the incident that left me with this impression? But
0: I you think you just want to let them know that they did it to you
1: and give them a chance to apologize mm-hmm. and give them a chance to do that reparative work. But I think it's hard to tell someone at that point what you expect of them. I think you would, for me, I would really keep the focus on me, what my impression was and how it left me feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. This is one where you you and I are typically I'm the one who goes for the confrontation really quickly in mm-hmm. our in our cousinship, and this is one where I probably wouldn't I would probably kind of pocket it in my back pocket as whoa, that didn't go the way that I thought it would, and then for just i I'd be in more in that zone of I'm going to save that information for the future. I'm going to really think about how I entertain requests. And, you know, you could call this a gift. You could call it just like a request among family. Like, oh, you're you're getting rid of that thing. Could I take it? You know, my like my kids could really use it in this situation. And because... I don't know exactly how serious or close or if the kids are on those iPads all the time or what, you know, because I don't know exactly what's going on in it just from what we have here. My natural inclination would be to hold off on this one, to really think more carefully about how I engage these types of exchanges in the future and and to pay attention to them so that I can hopefully be more confident if an exchange happens in the future. But especially if I had a really good relationship with them, I could see a case for doing exactly what Dan was saying of a really good relationship with something that's frustrating or bad in it is, is really worth talking about. And I could also see going the other way of saying that, you know, a, a blip, maybe it's better to just keep things smooth and move on and, and take a mental note for myself. But I think either way would work, and I think either way is really just dependent on how Melissa feels about engaging, how confident she is about everything she's spelled out in her email to us, and how she, in particular, wants to move forward with this relationship and can feel good about it. That's, like, what really what really matters. But I was curious what our different perspectives might be.
1: <laughs> well, and, and there's a lot of room in my universe for that kind of approach,
0: Oh, totally. And and mine and yours too.
1: (laughs) And I would definitely say to Melissa, this is one of the most challenging questions we faced. It has to do with the the fundamentals of good etiquette, the core principles that we really base our decision making on. And it's interesting to me that when we're talking about something that fundamental, how personal the answer is, Yeah, that how you respond to that really is something that I think needs to be looked at from from an individual perspective with a lot of information and a lot of context because we are talking about something that really matters
0: yeah melissa we are so sorry that you are in this situation but we do thank you for your question and we hope that our answer helps well maybe it'll
1: help you to know just what we found out about honesty
0: and we found out plenty to be honest may sound easy some of the time it is but it can be a real problem
1: Our next question is about concert complications. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted some etiquette thoughts on a situation, if you could. My friend and I made plans to go to a concert across the country. The night before we were to leave, she backed out. Hmm. She initiated the plans and bought the tickets, and I had already paid her for mine. I was unable to attend alone due to the remote location, logistics of traveling alone, and could not find someone to go in her place since it was so last minute. How do I, or do I even, politely ask if she was able to sell the tickets? I offered to help with that but never heard back. They were not cheap. Thankfully, I was able to get a flight credit for canceling my flights, though not a refund. Thanks. Bummed.
0: Oh, bummed. Bummed is the right word for this. I would be so bummed. I would probably also be fairly angry, I admit. I would I would break my annual New Year's resolution on this one. The night before? It's so hard. It's like, of course it's one thing if someone's like, something tragic has happened in their life and they can't make it, right? I feel like we would all really understand and even given all the the follow-up bummers of like, you know, between location, logistics, traveling alone, can't find someone to go on their place, you're just not going to go too. like those would be like added bummers on top of a really, really big bummer that you're very sympathetic to, but not knowing that there was some tragic and and really important and emergent reason for canceling this last minute on something fairly expensive and well planned. I think that, that since the other person doesn't seem to be in a position of, of great, um, strife right now, I feel like asking about it and and not just letting that ask that's been kind of ghost hang out there but but asking again and saying, "Hey, just wanted to touch back with you again. You know, I was able to get my flights credited at least I can use it for a future trip, but really wanted to find out where we were with those tickets because I, you know, certainly don't want to just be out of the cost if if you were able to sell them. I think it's a little bit tough. But I think that I think that it's a it's a worthwhile thing, and I'm I'm not saying that asking is going to guarantee getting you the money back, but I think asking at least kind of ties a bow. On, if you get an answer, at least ties a bow on the the, the like outstanding. I would definitely
1: ask if yeah, they oh were able God. to sell them.
0: But <laughs> yeah, no, I want to yeah. be. I want to be clear.
1: Uh, I want to narrow though what I would definitely ask them about.
0: Okay, what would you ask?
1: I would ask if they were able to sell them. That would be my entree into opening the discussion about the costs that were associated with the trip. Mm-hmm. I-, I was thinking to myself, there's no such thing as an etiquette contract. There's Mm -hmm. no legally binding recourse that says (laughs) someone has to pay you back if this and this happens or that and that happens. But I do think there's a certain social accountability that happens when you're just generally discussing the expenses associated with a trip. And I think that for somebody who had made a cancellation like this, there's a bit of an internal calculation where if it's external factors and forces that came into the situation made it impossible for them to go yeah you might feel differently about what the burden of those expenses is and how it falls mm-hmm. because those sorts of things could happen to anyone right uh, a week later it could have been our question asker bummed who had the unexpected emergency and they had to cancel and couldn't go and right that cost fell on them and I'm thinking a little bit about airlines if it's the weather they're not responsible for paying for right. your hotel room <laughs> right <laughs> And things happen, and sometimes you have to absorb costs, and it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. If it was something that was, and I want to use the word frivolous, something that was <laughs> not as serious, something that was much more under your control. Flaky.
0: You just, <laughs> just decided
1: eh. you wanted to do something else, or were no longer up for it. Then I think that cost burden does start to shift and fall on the person who cancels. But I also think it's up to them to identify it. I think it's really hard for the other person To to interrogate the reasons and then say, well, in that case, I think you owe me. If it was something else, you might not. But I do think by opening up that discussion, there's a a very natural social accountability that starts to happen that Mm. I would hope would bring that up in Bum's friend's mind. Yeah. I think another entree into that conversation is the one that you used in your sample script, Lizzie Post, where you mentioned that you were able to get your flight Uh, Credited though not refunded. I -hmm. think that's another piece of information that you could share that would be relevant. If I was the other person, I would want to know if someone had had to absorb the costs of the travel or whether they were able to get a refund. And Mm -hmm. I think sharing that information is another way to start to introduce your personal interest in the details of the finances around this trip and how they're resolving.
0: Mm -hmm. I would also encourage bummed, you know, much like in our last question to be a a little bit self-reflective. How impossible was it for you to go to this alone? You know what I mean? Like I would, I think if I was in bums position, I would be saying, am I just canceling because I'm a little nervous about maybe going and, and that's, you know, that's okay. We can all be nervous about traveling alone or doing something we've never done before or something like that. And it might be enough of a nerve to get us to not go. But is that different from no truly like you had rented the rental car and therefore I, because I can't afford that rental car, I like you no longer being a part of it anymore means I really can't be a part of it either. So I think I would just wanna be a little bit self-reflective about how much did the other person not going truly prevent me from going or did I just not kind of go after it and choose you know, choose choose to go, put on that confidence hat and go. And that might make me feel a little bit more in charge of my own decision potentially, as opposed to have having my decision only been made because someone else made a decision. And it might be that you had a little more autonomy over it. It might be that you had none. And your friend canceling really meant you truly could not go to this concert, too. That's just more for my own mental space than it is as something to use to get my friend to try to repay for a ticket or something like that, you know? (laughs) No, I think it's an important
1: detail. There's another thing that would really impact the way I might feel about a situation like this, and that would be how the friend handled it beyond the money question. Right. I'm curious whether or not there was some explanation given about why the cancellation happened or why the cancellation happened so last minute. I'm also curious if there was any kind of apology for those things. Was this well handled besides the money? And sometimes that makes a big difference. Sometimes someone acknowledging their responsibility and apologizing for the awkwardness or difficulty that it causes can be enough to make absorbing those costs not feel so bad i think the absence of those other things can often make me feel like i'm owed something and maybe it's easier to think about the money than the the kind of apology or connection or explanation that i would want to feel better about the situation no matter what the decision about the money ended up being so i don't know if bummed had that kind of satisfaction in this situation yeah. or not? But I definitely think it is an etiquette lesson that we can all take away from it that yeah, when there is a question that's a money question, it's important also not to forget the human issues that are going on around that money question.
0: well, and it's a good reminder of when you're not in bummed's position, but you're the friend who has to make a cancellation, no exactly. matter what the reason, boy, you know, bummed, we're not suggesting that bummed, like, punish or go after their friend hardcore just because an apology might not have been issued, or maybe the person was kind of like uh, casual about how they canceled these last minute fairly significant plans. But it's more so to illustrate how much an apology and an explanation can go such a long way towards the the person who's kind of been put in an awkward situation feeling okay about it, you know, or being able to handle it. It's really, really different to hear, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I know how much this is going to impact you. I really wish this wasn't the case versus, yeah, so I'm not going. Um, Good luck. Do what you want. you You know, if you can get someone else to go, great. You know, it's like they're too very, they will put the other person in a very different mental space for absorbing the situation and how they feel about it. So, if you do ever have to cancel late, make sure it comes with a lot of apologies, a little bit of explanation, and awareness of how your actions are going to impact other people.
1: I tell you, it makes me want to keep working my way link by link back the etiquette chain. <laughs> and I'll take even one more etiquette lesson and extract it. Really try not to cancel. Try to keep yeah. your commitments. Try <laughs> not to cancel last minute. But big picture, I think the underlying concept here is that if you made a commitment, you really want to do your absolute best to meet it. And if other people have put themselves out in furtherance of that, and you're the one who has to cancel it, there is some responsibility. And whether that's just social responsibility or financial responsibility, it's really important to acknowledge it.
0: Bummed, those are our thoughts on your situation. We are so sorry that this happened to you, but we do hope that our advice helps for future canceled plans. Our next question is titled, Shellfish Snag. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm on Martha's Vineyard for the first time. Woohoo! Nice! I wish we had crossed paths. From Minnesota, where there are no lobsters, is there a way to dig into a whole steamed lobster or any tricky seafood, which is more polite than looking like the beast gobbling food while beauty looks on, aghast? I have terrible luck with mallets and crab crackers, and generally do not want to fling claw meat into a neighboring diner's hair, but would also like to avoid having to eat lobster in a closet to avoid being embarrassed. Can't help but think of your cleaning and restoration trip as I too exude excitement while on the ferry. While I realize by the time you get this, I will have navigated the seafood situation already— I'm still curious what seasoned East Coasters would advise in order to be a refined dining companion while enjoying shellfish. Many thanks, Mandy. Oh, Mandy,
1: your question makes me want to go back and reorganize this show so I could read your question to Lizzie Post.
0: Uh, but can I just say, like, I am so I'm interrupting Dan immediately to say, Dan, I am so proud of your first two bullet points on our answer to this question, because I know it's not exactly you. your favorite space is not to be messy at the table. <laughs> and your tips to are put it mildly. Yes, <laughs> it's messy. Work with it. And I'm just like beaming with pride at my cousin on this one i'm like yes he's in the zone (laughs) (laughs) Uh i am
1: (laughs) well okay but then but then can you also read what my third bullet is
0: no need to add to the mess with bad manners (laughs) and what i was trying to
1: imagine is that there is a certain reality to the situation of eating whole lob, whole steamed lobsters mm-hmm. served whole, where you're going to be doing a certain amount of processing at the table that is, yeah. in its nature, messy, and the steaming process leaves them wet and with water hiding out in funny places that are hard yeah. to anticipate or predict. <laughs> there's Squirting. a certain amount of detritus that's just produced in the process, so mm-hmm. there's both the the high probability or possibility that you're gonna do something that's gonna project some food out of the very (laughs) controlled area that a plate often defines as the expectation.
0: Projectile dining definitely needs to be a section of the next etiquette book.
1: And you're also going to generate a bunch of mess in the process. And so I was thinking about things like your... Other basic table manners, things like your willingness to chew with your mouth closed Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. um, wipe your mouth with a napkin after a couple bites or between bites. Mm -hmm. And that while you might not be able to keep your hands as clean or your place as clean, keeping your face clean, keeping Mm -hmm. your... Um, attention up and out and with other people that you don't just become absorbed with what's happening right in front of you and <laughs> That's sort what of happens lose, to me. <laughs> lose the ability to interact with people around you that some of those other etiquette points can actually get more important in a situation where some etiquette is falling away or where the the table manners expectations are a little different.
0: Dan, I think that's really excellent advice. I would add to it things like as you crack through each claw or knuckle, get that little, little bit of meat out that you're going to eat and then immediately get the shell to a discard bowl. That helps keep your own plate kind of constantly whittling down to less and less mess. Well, until you're eventually just left with, you know, kind of the, the unedible part of the carcass and all the, the, the like, Salty water and the, the, the little bits that you're not going to be eating that I've kind of mixed in. But it does help decrease the volume of things that you're trying to navigate through as you break through this lobster and, and get to all of the sweet meat that's inside. But I really appreciated you, Dan, bringing up the projectile aspect of it because I think it's a really hard one to get away from. I also think setting yourself up well to be messy from the get go. So maybe not trying to serve lobster in the nice dining room of the rental that you're in or your, your summer home that you're in. But, you know, grabbing the picnic table outside and laying down that newspaper and going for it in that more casual way can often make us feel more comfortable with a little bit more of the mess that tends to accumulate with this particular Delicacy, I'll say, but it can be so much fun. The other thing is that if you are serving lobster in a really formalized situation, this is a time where we really suggest that you actually break it down in the kitchen and that you're serving people meat that they can just eat easily with a fork and knife rather than, than asking people to really be getting messy when you, you're hosting a formal affair. I know that wasn't Mandy's question, but just, you know, to, to, to expand the etiquette a little bit.
1: No, it gets. It's a really good point, and it gets me to the 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 other table manners tips that I was going to offer at the end of this question, mm-hmm. and I think is a a really good thing to keep in mind, Lizzie Post. When you talk about the projectile nature, there's a reason when you go to a lobster restaurant they give you a bib,
0: yes, and wet naps.
1: It's because, <laughs> and it doesn't have to happen. I, I right. I'm going to separate myself a little bit. I don't think we need to lean into the messy nature. I don't think we need to want food to be flying everywhere. But recognizing no. that it could happen in the normal course of events if you're processing a lobster at the table is an important thing for a host to remember. If people are showing up in really nice clothes, that might not be a task that you want to give them. And yeah. that that idea that in those situations you would want to do more of that processing ahead of time in the kitchen is a really valid point. And there's this in between space where, where you were talking about where you get to the end of the lobster and you're left with this thing on your plate. <laughs> I definitely the last time I did a steamed lobster did some of that processing right at the start. So my mm-hmm. my table manners tips, if you're like me, and you would like to keep the messiness <laughs> down, is that be sure you have a good discardable, big one, big enough yeah. to, to get everything that's going to that's going to be produced. You have lots of napkins, spares for yourself and the people around you for messes in case they happen, and maybe even be thinking about what the the wash up afterward looks like. Maybe there's mm-hmm. wipes for the table. Maybe there's um, a, a place nearby where you can go wash up if there aren't Trip going to, to be a
0: restroom. <laughs> finger
1: bowls coming out to the table, but you've got your your materials planned out and laid out. But then right at the start and for vegetarians that are listening maybe just hit a pause or a forward 30 (laughs) seconds i think if you just crack that tail right off and take Mm -hmm. the meat containing parts of the lobster off the main body and then take the main body that you're not going to eat put it right in the discard bowl at the start
0: it's just so that
1: you start to get yourself down to these are the meat containing parts and then that process that you described so well of as you eat something as you crack that shell you've got a place to put it and then Over the course of the course, each move that you make gets you closer and closer to contained and less messy.
0: Well, Dan, you are also reminding me that one of the easiest manners to implement should anything – maybe not hit someone's hair, but at least you know, um, cross someone else's path or come into their kind of dining territory is that you can always issue a oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And most likely the exact phrase you will hear back is no worries, this is this kind of a meal. You know, and so to to not fear the moment where maybe your dining of the lobster crosses into someone else's world, that issuing a a quick and concise and, and and thoughtful apology is the the easiest way to solve that, and it's it's simple and it works.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, all this discussion of shooting food has me thinking of one <laughs> other little table move that I, I would like to leave our question with a uh, sh- by sharing,
0: like a potato and- gun. No, <laughs> sorry.
1: Keep going. Well, I'm, th- I'm thinking about the most common situation where you're likely to spray someone else at the table, which is when you squeeze a lemon over something. Oh,
0: totally. I got hit by a seed from my dad's lemon when we did lobsters my last night on the vineyard.
1: Well, and there's <laughs> a very good chance a few lemon wedges might be a part of this lobster meal that Absolutely. we're talking about. So if we're yeah. looking for particular table manners that would maybe refine that experience or introduce a little more control – There's something you'll see people do when they squeeze lemon where they take the other hand and they kind of cup over or shield Mm -hmm, around mm -hmm. it so that it doesn't spray. Particularly if you've got a cocktail, there's someone across from you and you're just going to squeeze the lemon into the cocktail. I don't drink many cocktails, so I don't know. I like to squeeze the lemon into my water or tea. But if you shield that lemon, it's not going to spray on someone else. So that might be just another gesture you could introduce to your eating of lobster that just shows some care or concern for the people around you it's obviously not gonna fix every cracked (laughs) claw but it, it it i think illustrates or it's a behavior that shows your table mates that you do care and you're thinking about these things and might be useful on some meals where there aren't lobsters on the table as well
0: Dan, all this talk about how to eat a lobster has me thinking that not only should we eat lobster, but that we should actually video ourselves eating and breaking down lobster. And just enjoy that. I mean, I think that could be a company expense, right? Right? Like, we could get a nice lobster dinner out of it and a video for See, all you of you like lobster parties. so
1: much, you're willing to put yourself on camera eating it. I will politely decline that invitation, Lizzie Rose.
0: <laughs> Do you hear that, guys? Do you hear that? Oh, I almost thought I had you for a messy eating moment that would be, well, that huh? would be good on camera. Mandy, we really hope you had an awesome time on Martha's Vineyard. And we hope that your adventure eating lobster was absolutely delightful. Please do send us an update. Let us know how it went. Um, We hope that it will encourage you to maybe order some East Coast lobsters sometime when you are back at home in Minnesota. Thank you so much for the question. Clearly, we enjoyed answering it.
1: As we are seeing people like Betty and Bob who want to entertain their friends and have good times together... Forget that poor manners can really interfere with the fun of the party. There is no fun in being worried, unsure, or ill at ease. Thank you for your questions please send us updates or feedback on our answers to etiquette at emilypost.com you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 you can also reach us on social media on twitter we are at emilypostinst on instagram we are at emilypostinstitute and on facebook we are the Emily Post Institute. just remember use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show
0: If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support.
1: It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we have feedback from Marion.
0: Hey, awesome etiquette. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed Pooja's guest spot on episode 412. I loved hearing her and Dan talk about their relationship and how it started. The love and respect between you came across so strongly, and I actually felt quite emotional listening to it. Thank you for sharing some insight into your relationship and good work keeping Lizzie's seat warm. Best wishes, Marion. That's so sweet.
1: I know thank you so much Marion I will be sure to share your feedback with Pooja and who knows maybe it will encourage her to go back and listen to the show herself (laughs) she gets a little nervous about it and I told her I thought she sounded great and I really want her to listen to it but she hasn't done it yet so (laughs) I'm going to add your voice to my chorus of one
0: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, we're going back to school.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, we are.
0: Classic, classic time of year to be talking about this, of course. (laughs) Dan, what have you got for us today?
1: What I have is an article that our uh, one-time educator who worked at the Emily Post Institute, my mother, Cindy Post-Senning, wrote as part of her blog called The Gift of Good Manners. And it's been repurposed as an article for our website. And Cindy Senning was a school principal as well as a school nurse for many, many years. And I thought that her thoughts about the return to school would be um, beneficial for everyone at this particular time of year.
0: Take us away.
1: Cindy begins an article titled Back to School, Acknowledging the Unsung Heroes. This is it, the first week of school. Large schools, small schools, public schools, private schools. They all conjure up a similar image. Rows of desks or groups of students seated at tables and a teacher standing near them, greeting them, introducing them to their new year. But I like to think of some other people whose work is also just starting. A bus driver picking up a group of students at the bus stop. An aide meeting her special needs student. The school cook laying out the greens for a salad bar. A custodian wiping the last particle of dust from the hall windowsill. She may have been working all summer. The school nurse stocking her first aid closet. It takes a whole team of people to run a school. Each and every one of them deserves the respect of students, parents, and teachers. Sometimes kids don't realize the important work done by these folks. But parents can help them by talking about all the work it takes to make the school day successful and encouraging their children to show them appreciation and respect. What would it be like without these unsung heroes? Imagine the bathrooms at school without the custodian, or the long walk to school without the bus driver. A smile and a greeting from the kids is all it takes to brighten someone's day. Help your kids be the ones to give that gift as they start out the school year. And say thanks yourself when you have the opportunity.
0: Oh, it's always a good reminder, always a good reminder to say thank you to those who really are doing important jobs for us. I'm reminded, Dan, I live right next to a school and I'm reminded of another unsung hero not on this list who is the crossing guard. At some schools, it's like one of the kids is a crossing guard. One of the older kids will play that role. Um, And it might be, you know, even a a really coveted role. But at this particular school that I live near, it was an elderly gentleman and Just how incredibly friendly he is not just to the kids and their parents as they're walking and crossing the street, but to all the members of the neighborhood in the morning when I would go for my run, I would always get a lovely hello and a good luck today, you know, keep it up some kind of encouraging words, which I really appreciated. And I was really sad when this particular member of the community chose to no longer be the crossing guard. And now we have a different crossing guard who is equally wonderful and, and, and great to get to know. But it was, even as a non student and a non parent, kind of fun to see how the, the school community impacts the community around us all. And, um, And I think this was a great article that your mom wrote about those unsung heroes. Our teachers are amazing, and we really do want to praise them and keep focus on having great relationships with them. But there are lots of people that keep our schools going. And this is a great, great, great article to help remember and highlight their roles and and what they mean to us.
1: Like you, I am keenly aware at this particular time of year what important Communities, schools are, that they're not yeah. just places where kids get educated, but they really are whole communities. They're places where people make friends and form relationships that last lifetimes, but also where people are nourished and fed, where people spend time and just spend time together as people. The particular angle that Cindy Postenning takes in this article is one that I so appreciate in her teaching and the idea that we have a great deal of power, each and every one of us, to impact other people in positive ways. And I remember listening to her teach our children's train-the-trainer programs and encouraging – our future children's etiquette instructors to give children the advice to ask their parents how their day is at the Mm -hmm. end of their day when they get home. And this used to sound so Pollyanna to me. I would hear her suggest it and I would think to myself, how how pie in the sky is that? That, that,
0: (laughs) That kids would come home
1: from school and say to their mother, how was your day at work today? And I can't tell you how much over time I've come to appreciate that approach and that level of expectation because it really does communicate something very special to children. And it, it's important for all of us to remember it ourselves. But I do think as kids go back to school, it's something to encourage them around and it gives them a lot of control and a lot of responsibility. And those are things that, that we want to teach children how to manage well and what a great Practice place. What a great opportunity to really cultivate those skills of bringing your best self to your community in a way that makes it a better place for the people around you. And it's a an important reminder, and I will take it to heart as I think about Anisha's first day of school coming up in about a week and a, <laughs> a half.
0: <laughs> it will be really cool to hear how it went and and how she's enjoying it. I am sure that she is is going to tell you every single detail of it once she gets back from that first day.
1: And I will hang on every word.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for bringing us this postscript, Dan. It was my pleasure
1: to be continued.
0: You can learn good manners yourself by watching the good manners of others. You can get all the help you want from your parents, your friends, from your teacher. Once they know that you want to have good manners, they'll be glad to help you with them.
1: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Brandon.
0: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'd like to send a quick salute to my friend Alex. There is an item at a store I have been eyeballing for a while, but haven't been able to purchase. Alex happens to be part of a program where he gets products for free and reviews them for the company. The item I wanted came up as an option for him to review, and he chose it so I could have it. I thought it was such a kind, thoughtful thing to do for me. Thanks. That is really sweet. I love that.
1: Uh, We could all use a friend or two like that in our lives, right?
0: No, absolutely. Brendan, Alex is definitely an awesome friend, and this is a great etiquette salute. Thank you so much for sharing it with us.
1: And thank you for listening.
0: Thank you to everyone who sent us something and to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please do
1: connect with us. Share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. We know a recommendation is the best way for someone to find Awesome Etiquette.
0: You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we're at Emily Post Institute, and on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute.
1: Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette.
0: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris and Bridget. Chris and Bridget. <laughs> uh...